Lovely. Let's pray. Father, as we think about that first Pentecost and the first time you poured out your spirit on all people, I pray you would teach us, transform us and renew us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wonder if you've ever opened a gift from someone and you had no idea what it was or what it was for. Has that ever happened to you? Some of you, once or twice? It's called a dishcloth, Bruce. (laughs) You have to arrange your face, don't you, and say, ooh, lovely, whilst your brain is furiously trying to figure out what it is. I wonder if any of you likes raspberries. You like raspberries? I love raspberries. Raspberry jam is probably my favourite kind of jam. But do you know what this is? It's a raspberry pie. It says it's a raspberry pie, see? Raspberry pie. But believe it or not, this box doesn't contain any raspberries, nor does it contain any pastries. It's never seen a hedgerow, or wherever it is that raspberries grow. And it's not wrapped in pastry. It's actually this. And in case you can't see that, there's a picture of one on the screen. It is a microcomputer called a Raspberry Pi. So I imagine most of you would be a bit confused. If I gave you one of those for Christmas, and you, what? Would you know how to use it? Now I've told you what it is. Probably not. There's actually one of these in the church office that does all sorts of useful things for the church. But that one's, that one's, in fact, it's my old one. I'll just put it over there. It's the best-selling British computer of all time. And most people have never heard of it. Over 30 million of them have been sold. They cost about £30, and they can run full software on them. They're absolutely amazing, those little things. And, even better, most of them are made in Pencoed in Wales. So they are all Welsh. Now, sometimes the Holy Spirit can be a bit like that for Christians. We may or may not know what it is. Even if we know what it is, we may not have a clue what it's for or how to use it. But the more we explore who he is and what he does, the possibilities are endless. Do you know the best possible gift you could ever receive? It's a broken drum because you just can't beat it. You miss them? Now, there's a lot of things in the Bible about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pick out very quickly seven things. And it is quick, but I promise. First, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you in John 14, verse 26. Just as the Spirit inspired the people who wrote the Bible, so he inspires us when we read those words. So even though they are hundreds, some of them thousands of years old, and they were originally written in a language that I imagine most of you can't read, unless you're Greek and Hebrew scholars. Any Aramaic scholars? No? So they're written in a language none of us can understand, so they're translated for us, but still God speaks to us through those words, and it's a miracle by his Holy Spirit. Second, the Spirit empowers us. There are so many examples of this throughout the Bible, not least in Acts. It's worth thinking about who Peter was. He was a scared, uneducated and confused fisherman. And he was empowered by the Holy Spirit 
To do what? To bear witness about Jesus. Peter stood up and spoke to a huge crowd of people about Jesus. The miracles came later. There were miracles and lots of amazing miracles. But the first thing the Spirit empowered Peter to do was tell people about Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Third, the Spirit gives. He's literally the gift that keeps on giving. Wouldn't that be great if you got a present at Christmas and that present gave you more presents? Wouldn't that be good? Every time you open the present, there was another present for you. I think that'd be fantastic. I can't tell if you're smiling or not, but whatever. The Spirit gives faith. The Spirit gives love. The Spirit gives hope, wisdom, abilities to do things we couldn't otherwise do, and so much more. The gifts the Spirit gives could be colossal gifts of power, whether it might be healing someone of a body riddled with cancer, speaking in another language like the disciples on that first Pentecost, showing someone a vision of the future. But equally as important are the gifts of saying an encouraging word to a friend, the discipline to keep praying when you can't be bothered, the willingness to clean the church building, the will to keep going when you feel spent. Fourth, the Spirit helps. It's quite a steep mountain they're trying to climb there. Jesus called the Spirit a helper, sometimes translated comforter or advocate. Now, most of you, I suspect, have a computer, yeah, or an iPad or a tablet or a smartphone or something like that. Would, that, would I be correct? Now, there are also, you, yeah, so not all of you, I realise not all of you will, but there will probably be a television in your house, and it's probably a relatively new television within the last few years. All of them run by computers. If you have a car, run by computers. And there are little things called helper services that you have no clue about, I suspect, most of you. Until something breaks or the computer clogs up and you discover it's because there are 5,000 helper services running, they're very useful. They do things like check your emails in the background. They do things like keep things up to date on your computer. They do all sorts of helpful things, but you have no idea that they are there. And sometimes we as Christians don't realise just how much the Holy Spirit is helping us to do. If we have faith, that is coming from the Holy Spirit. If we're seeing our lives change, even if we don't necessarily notice ourselves, other people might tell us. That's the Holy Spirit. Because the flip side of that is trying to do things without asking for help. We never do that, do we? But the Spirit is always within Christians. Always. Jesus said this in John 14. I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate, that's the Holy Spirit, to help you and be with you tomorrow. No? Yesterday? Forever! Forever. That means today and tomorrow and the next day and every day after that however many of those we have left. Fifth, the Spirit prays. Now, I've said many times, and I don't know how many of you really believe me, but I'm rubbish at praying. I find it really hard. So one of my favourite verses is this. The Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. It's not an excuse not to pray, but the Spirit always prays within us, for us and through us. 
and he helps us to pray as well. Paul says in Ephesians 6, pray in the spirit. Why? Because the spirit is the helper who helps us to pray. Sixth, the spirit shows. The spirit shows us. And particularly, he shows us our sin. In Acts, whenever the, gospel, whenever the apostles or any of the uh, 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 followers of Jesus share the gospel, they never, not once, use the word love. Every, they share the gospel multiple times to multiple people in multiple cities across the Roman Empire. They never once use the word love, but almost every time they use the word repent. Why? Because the gospel is that we must repent of our sins and be forgiven. That's why it's good news. So the Holy Spirit comes to show us our sin. Now that might sound like not a very good thing. It's not very nice, is it, to be told that you're wrong. But actually, if you're driving the wrong way down the motorway, it's quite helpful, isn't it, if the sat-nav says, turn around when possible, well, maybe pull off at the next junction and turn around when possible. It's useful to be told when we're heading in the wrong direction. And that's what it means when the Spirit shows us our sin. Jesus said that himself. When the Spirit comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong. So we can repent. And that's why it's good news. Seventh, finally, the Spirit promises. All this stuff that the Spirit does, and there's more. I could carry on all day, but I won't. All this stuff that the Spirit does, it is simply a down payment. It's like the deposit on a mortgage. The first fruits of a harvest season. The promise of more to come. Paul said it like this. God's people are marked in Jesus with a seal. The promised Holy Spirit, a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. He is the ultimate promise from God and God does not disappoint all this and as I say it's not a complete list there is more it is not just for vicars it's not just for church wardens or especially holy people it is for all believers Peter said in Acts 2 verse 16 this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. This, Peter said, is that. That promise to give the spirit to all people. Not just the preachers, not just the musicians, not just the craftsmen, but all people. And then in Acts 4.31, it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Not only the apostles, but all of them. Have I laboured that point enough yet? The Spirit is for all. And that is a wonderful thing. When you pick a present for someone you love, do you buy them something they'll hate? Are Remy and Elsie willing to tell me what their least favourite food is? What do you hate to eat? Broccoli? Cabbage? What don't you like? Perhaps Daddy might tell us. What don't you like, Elsie? All vegetables. 
If it was Elle's Emmy's birthday and Matt presented her with a huge bowl of steaming vegetables, I don't think she'd be very happy, would she? She needs to eat them, but perhaps on her birthday she could have a little treat with very few vegetables. I don't know. I'm not a parent. But the point is, when we're giving someone a gift, we give them something they'll love. Jesus said, If then you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit? To those who ask, please stand.